Hey, how's everybody doing? Hope you're having a fantastic day. It is Monday, May 1st, the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Uh, yesterday was the, well, I think it's transferred because yesterday was Sunday, but it might, yeah, the transfer would have made today also the Feast of St. Pius X. So a uh, wonderful Dominican uh, defender of the faith and actually the theologian who made St. Thomas Aquinas the doctor of the, well, the Pope who made St. Thomas Aquinas, the doctor of the church. But, <coughs> sorry, I'm sick, so if I blow your eardrums out with my coughing, uh, sounds like a personal problem. But I received a question uh, from a patron, uh, that a really interesting one, that I wanted to quickly treat in a video. So if you don't know, if you're a patron, uh, you can request occasional videos. Um, kind of has to be in a realm of something I'm, I could give out a video of value in. I'm not just going to make videos on stuff I don't know uh, what I'm talking about just because a patron asked me to. But uh, this patron, uh, this was his question. He said, hi, Christian. I'm going to invoke my, mem my Patreon membership to ask you to make a video. I was wondering if you could make a video on whether or not one's merits in terms of your future state in heaven stay with you after mortal sin and forgiveness in life everlasting lagrange says that it is more probable that it is the more probable opinion that one's merits stay with you after god forgives you saint alphonsus very strongly states the contrary in his meditations on death have any other saints dealt with this matter are there alternative positions to hold so uh first what i'm going to do uh just quickly is St. Thomas actually deals with this exact question in a few places, but he has a summa question. One of, interestingly enough, the uh, one of the last questions that he wrote before he um, unfortunately passed. This is in, uh, I'm going to share my screen. This is in Tertia Pars, question 89, article 5. Whether deeds deadened by sin are revived by penance. So whether um, when you do a meritorious deed, if upon falling into mortal sin and being revived by penance, whether that deed still counts. That's basically the question that's being asked. And St. Thomas responds, Some have said the meritorious works deadened by subsequent sin are not revived by the ensuing penance because they deem such works to have passed away so that they could not be revived. But that is no reason why they should not be revived because they are conducive to eternal life, wherein their life consists, not only as actually existing, but also after they cease to exist actually, and as abiding in the divine acceptance. Now they abide thus so far as they are concerned, even after they have been deadened by sin, because those works, according as they were done, will be acceptable to God and give joy to the saints, according to Apocalypse 3.11, hold fast which thou hast, that no man take that crown. That they fail in their efficacy to bring the man who did them to eternal life is due to an impediment of the supervening sin whereby he has become unworthy of eternal life. But this impediment is remo removed by penance inasmuch as sins are taken away thereby. Hence it follows that deeds previously dead recover through penance their efficacy in bringing him who did them to eternal life. And in other words, they are revived. It is therefore evident that dead works are revived by penance. So what St. Thomas is basically saying is that our merits, our condign merits, 
are based upon some promise of God uh, in binding himself to justice. This promise will uh, does not cease to uh, be in itself unless there's some impediment which is placed to its efficacy. So when we fall into mortal sin, there's some uh, there's some impediment to the granting of the reward, namely um, the, the deadness of grace in the soul, which leads to hell. So uh, with with this impediment of the mortal sin, the reward can't occur. But when the impediment's removed, this uh, the promise of God to reward is not going to fail. So that's that's St. Thomas's general argument. And he actually uh, provides a little bit of uh, nuance uh, here in reply to objection three. So he says, he who through penance rises to lesser charity will receive the essential reward according to the degree of charity, which he has found, yet he will have greater joy for the works he had done in his former charity than for those which he had done in subsequent charity. And this joy belongs to the accidental reward. So he does actually provide... Uh, depending on the degree of charity, the degree of fervency that is um, that is achieved through the sacrament of penance, um, through the fervence, fervency of one's contrition, there actually can be um, a bit of variableness. So uh, for St. Thomas, it's not it's neither strictly lost nor a hundred percent in every single aspect gained back. There's some sort of change uh, that happens which uh, we'll be getting into when we start talking about the different uh, views. So that's just plainly the view of St. Thomas. Uh, pretty easy to understand. Um, but since the time of St. Thomas, the magisterium has actually uh, stepped in on this. So first we can look at uh, implicit statements. Uh, the Council of Trent gives requirements for meriting. Uh, none of these requirements uh, mention not falling into mortal sin afterwards. So we can make an implicit argument from that, but that's not the strongest. The best formal testimony comes from Pius XI. <coughs> when he declared a year of Jubilee in, I want to say, 1934, uh, possibly 1934, maybe, uh, somewhere somewhere during the, the reign of Pius XI. He said, now, when the Hebrews in the year of the Sabbath, after recovering their goods, which had passed into the ownership of others, were returning to their own possessions, and the servants, now free, were betaking themselves to their former family, and the debt of the debtors was canceled, all this more happily happens and is accomplished among, in, among us in the year of atonement. For all who, by doing penance, carry out the salutary orders of the apostolic see in the course of the great jubilee, the same regain anew and receive that abundance of merits and gifts which they had lost by sinning. And they are so set free from the cruel dominion of Satan that they regain the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. And finally, of all the punishment which they would have been obliged to pay for their faults and sins because of the highly accumulated merits of Jesus Christ, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the saints, they are fully absolved. So what this is saying right here, Pope Pius X, is saying that by carrying out penance, you regain anew the abundance of merits that you had lost by sinning. So clearly it is the teaching of the church now that uh, this revivification of merits is something which, um, which must be held. So uh, there is some question within the schools 
although, when it comes to the measure or degree of the revivification of merits. So, uh, on the one hand, some following Domingo Banez say that we receive the rewards of our previous merits according to our present disposition. That is, according to the disposition one has after penance. So uh, we can describe it as like the penance getting, uh, the previous merits get dragged down to the position of the penitent. So to illustrate, um, if <coughs> you have somebody who gains, let's say, 100 talents, uh, I, I hate using terms of quantity, but I, I think this is the best way of us. <laughs> being able to conceptualize the uh, different positions. So let's say you have a you have a hundred talents that you gain uh, from meritorious deeds. Now let's say after you fall into sin, you lose all a hundred and then you come back with a disposition to receive five talents. That is the degree you're going to come back. You come back at the level that you you come back. Now, this position um, seems to be uh, on the face of things false. Uh, because how can you speak of the revivification of merits at all when it's just uh, really uh, doesn't make any sort of difference between whether you had merited before or not? So if you had a man who had merited 100 talents and a man who had merited 10 talents, they both fall into mortal sin. They both have... They both have the coming back in penance and are disposed to receive five talents. They they both receive five talents. So in what sense can we even speak uh, in this view of revivification? So on the other hand, there's a second extreme. And the second extreme is that the merits are rewarded in their fullness with absolutely no, uh, no sort of um, uh, interplay between uh, one's disposition or not. So you have the man with a hundred talents falls into mortal sin. And let's say he, he comes back with weakened contrition from what he was previously. He's just going to receive the hundred talents back. Now on the face of things, uh, this seems to not contradict uh, the teaching of the church, but it's problematic uh, because I don't see how in this view one could even explain the initial uh, falling into um, the initial falling into uh, mortal sin and the losing of uh, one's merits by a lack of disposition. Because one can be more or less disposed. So it seems like it should work on a on a grade rather than an absolute like the second position uh, wants to make it. Now, the third position, uh, this is the one taken by the majority of the Thomists, and uh, this is the position that seems to be taken by St. Thomas, is that the reward is received, is revived according to the disposition of the, um, of the receiver. Uh, so, uh, if you, let's say, uh, it's, it's hard to quantify this one, I guess, um, because on the one hand, you can have somebody who uh, has 100 talents, falls into mortal sin, loses uh, that reward, and then actually comes back with greater fervor than before. 
In this case, he's going to receive an even greater reward due to his greater fervor. On the other hand, uh, you may have a man return with equal fervor. So he's going to receive equal reward. On the third hand, you might have somebody that returns with lesser fervor. Then he's going to receive a lesser reward. Um, but there still is that interplay uh, with the previous um, gifts. So I guess this one can be seen more as like, if we want to quantify it, which again, hate to do it. <coughs> this one can speak more of percentages than of absolutes. So uh, to, to quantify it for you guys, you have a man, uh, he returns after uh, penance with 10% greater fervor. The merits that he had before, you're going to be 10% greater. Same fervor, same merits, 10% less, less merits. It's not like the first one, which just has it um, kind of get knocked down to whatever the position of the penitent is without any sort of uh, relative consideration of previous merits. And then it also doesn't have the, uh, the pitfall of the second, which doesn't uh, really take into account the uh, disposition of the receiver. So uh, that that's at least the way in which uh, I would describe um, the three views. So uh, that's all I have. Uh, thank you to the patron who asked this question. And if you would like uh, me to make a short video like this, answering one of your questions within my uh, domain, uh, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash militantomist. Thank you and God bless.